Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. We hope you enjoy the message. I remember years ago when I was working at a camping ministry, I was called into the manager's office and I thought I was in trouble, but he gave me the great news. He said, Adam, we are going to start family camps and we want you to run them. I thought this was wonderful. Until then, I'd never really been involved in on the ground camping. I was handling a lot of the volunteer work. So I thought this was an amazing chance for me to get my my feet wet into the camping uh, lifestyle. And uh, I went back into my office and I remember sitting down thinking, this is wonderful. This is fantastic. We're going to start family camps. This is such a need in the community. Uh, But then quickly, my thoughts then went to, I actually don't know how to run a family camp. I've never run one. I've never been on one. So I remember sitting there thinking, okay, what do I need to make sure this family camp can get off the ground? And I figured out the two things I needed, first and foremost, were to run to God and say, God, what is the plan? How are we going to make this happen? And the second thing was to get a great leadership team around me who could help support me, but also support the camp and bring their gifts and their talents. So very quickly, I thrust myself into prayer and I made sure that I was asking God and seeking God for the direction ahead. And once I had the direction ahead, I started to pull together a team with the vision to to reconnect families and unify them under Christ. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, our whole leadership team was worried. Is this even going to be a success? Are people even going to be interested in coming to a family camp? Well, that question was answered pretty quickly. We sold out. Um, People just came out of the woodwork and came to this family camp. And the leadership team that we prayerfully sought after were a fantastic team. The families were amazing. The program just seemed to work and everyone had a wonderful camp. By all stretch of the imagination, family camp was a huge victory. And after family camp, we we did the usual review and we talked about what worked and what didn't work. And It was great. Most of the camp worked. There wasn't a whole heap that didn't work. And if there was, it wasn't really big things that mattered too much. So we made some some little adjustments and tweaks. And when the next year came around, man, we were ready. We started planning. We got the program ready. We pulled back a bunch of the leadership team that were involved the previous year. And we put on what we thought was going to be an amazing camp. But it actually turned out to be not so great. You see, there was infighting in the leadership team. The program just seemed to fall through with everything that we wanted to do. It just didn't seem to work. The speakers that we'd organized to come and speak didn't really speak on what they said they were going to speak about. And in our eyes, the camp was a complete failure. Now, a lot of the families that came to family camp didn't really see it as a huge failure. A lot of them didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes. But one mum actually wrote in her review in her feedback form, Camp was great, um, but there just was something wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it, but something wasn't right. And she was totally correct. There was a lot of issues going on behind the scenes. And in our review, we started to look at, okay, well, what went wrong? Because we did all the stuff we did on the previous year. Um, And then it didn't take us very long to realize, you know what? We actually never went to God. You know what? Yes, we did the token prayers. And when we before a meal, we'd pray. And, you know, when we talked about having a meeting, we'd have our token prayer at the start of the meeting. But we really didn't seek after God as passionately as we did year one. Because year one, we knew we were out of our depth. 
by year two, we were walking in victory. We knew what to do. We knew the plan. We knew the formula. So we decided to just go ahead and do it without seeking what God wanted for the camp. And it was a failure. You know, I often kick myself about that going, how could I just fail at something so obvious? You know, the year before I'd seen it as this was paramount to, to family camps. And now I'd forgotten to go to God. I'd forgotten to talk to him and to seek his guidance. And I started to really kick myself around it. But you know what? One thing I love about scripture is that we can, we can open it up and we can see fantastic people, patriarchs of the faith, people who have done wonderful things for the kingdom, and yet they still make mistakes. And I was encouraged by the story of Joshua. Joshua is the guy that took after, uh, over leadership of Israel after Moses, big shoes to fill. And we see some really amazing things happen in the story um, of Joshua. And uh, I want to take you to one of those in Joshua chapter 3. In chapter 3 of Joshua, he's leading his people and they come across the river Jordan. And the river Jordan, the scripture tells us it's actually harvest time and the river is overflowing. And if anyone goes in the river, they're surely to get swept away and, and die and drown. So uh, Joshua goes to God and he says, God, what is the plan? How are we going to cross the river Jordan. And God says this in chapter three, verses seven to eight. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. And Joshua takes this plan, which is a, let's be honest, that's a crazy plan. You know, how are we going to get through this river? Maybe we build a bridge. Maybe we find a way to go around. And God's response is, just go in, just walk in. So Joshua goes and he tells everybody, he says, okay, we're just going to go in. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go in first with the priests and we'll see what God does. And that's what they do. The Ark of the Covenant and the priests go in first and the river dries up. And everyone crosses across the Jordan and then the Ark of the Covenant and the priests leave the Jordan and it goes back. What? What a victory. How amazing is that? Like that, that is a crazy command from God, but it brought about, about victory. You see, Joshua had a really great formula in how to face the impossible. And his formula was this, go to God, get the plan <laughs> Do the plan. Sounds pretty simple, right? <laughs> well, we see Joshua use this formula again in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. You see, they've come to the city of Jericho. It's a famous story. And Jericho was a fortified city with huge walls that have not been penetrated. You know, if you were wanting to hide anywhere and keep safe, Jericho is a great place to do that. It had never been defeated. And Joshua is like, okay, we have to take the city of Jericho. We know that's what God wants for us. How are we going to do the impossible? So Joshua starts the formula again, and he goes to God, and God gives him this command. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with priests blowing their horns. 
When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. And that's what they did. Again, a crazy, impossible plan. And they march around. On the seventh day, they, they, they shout, just shouting. The walls come crumbling down. You see, Joshua did it again. He went to God, got the plan, and did the plan. And victory was the result. And the only caveat that God gave in regards to taking over Jericho, he said there are two, two rules in regards to taking out Jericho. The first one is Rahab will be spared and his, her whole family. And Rahab was uh, someone who was helping the spies earlier in Joshua. And the second one is all the gold, silver, bronze, and iron will be taken for the Lord's treasury. You cannot keep any of it. So we see Joshua has this amazing formula of going to God, getting the plan and doing the plan. And the result is victory. How amazing is that? If we continue the story in Joshua 7, we, we see things start to go askew. Uh, and we read in Joshua 7, 1 to 5, this story. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, There's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle and go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. <laughs> How? How did this happen? They've, they've gone through the, the River Jordan with amazing victory. They've come to Jericho, which is huge. It's massive compared to Ai. And they've come out with victory. And now they go to face Ai and they don't need to take all of their warriors because it's such a small place and they are soundly defeated. You know, it's easy to look at this piece of scripture and go, well, the reason they were defeated is Achan. Achan's the problem, Right. He's the one that took things that he shouldn't have taken. God was angry with them. He removed his blessing from their journey. It's Achan. Let's blame Achan. Achan's the scapegoat. Yes, Achan is a huge problem. And for the sake of time, I can't finish the story. Um, but Achan does get dealt with. But I think that we have to be really careful here not to whitewash Joshua. You see, Joshua was the leader. Joshua was responsible for the success and the victories through God. You see, through the crossing of the Jordan, he went to God. He got the plan. He did the plan. For defeating Jericho, he went to God. He got the plan. He did the plan. But with I, he forgot God in the victory. He decided, I'm going to do things on my own. I don't need to go to God. We're strong. Look what we've just done. We've done amazing things. Surely we can do this. You see, in this space, he ignored God. He listened to man. And he did what he wanted. You see, I think that too often what we can do 
is that we can forget God in the victory. You know, life's going horribly, we run to God. But life's going well, we can do it on our own. You know, again, I encourage you in your own time to finish that story in your MCG groups um, or even in your own personal study time. Um, You know, Joshua goes back to God uh, and he gets the plan. He hears what has happened because Joshua had no idea that Achan had taken these things and and buried the, the treasure in his tent. But he goes to God. God told him what happened. He receives a plan from God. He does the plan. Achan and his family is actually punished. Um, And then they go on to defeat I because he went to God and listened to God for the plan and did the plan. But I think in this story, we can pick up two things that are really important for us all to understand. And the first one is this. Go to God in both the victory and the pain. You see, we're pretty good as Christians and in Christendom as as a society to go, you know what, if someone's hurting, run to God. If someone's in pain, run to God. He's close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. If someone has failed at something, we say, go to God. If someone has committed sin, then we say, go to God. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7, we have some amazing verses around this, says, cast all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Another great one from Psalm 23, verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. And Romans 8, 28 is kind of one verse I see as my life verse, is we know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes for them. You see, and those verses, you might hear them and go, oh, yeah, they're kind of, I know those verses. Or you might even say they're token verses. Well, the reason they're token verses is because we know them, we heard them a lot. And the reason we hear them a lot is because we're pretty good as a society to go, when you're struggling, run to God. I used to work at a, at a Christian bookstore. And when I was there, I was in charge of... Uh, the Bible section, the DVD and music section, and uh, also the pain section. You see, the Bibles were a pretty big seller, obviously. The DVDs were okay. Music was pretty good. I made sure David Phelps' CDs sales went through the roof. Um, but pain was by far the best-selling section at the bookstore. Um, we knew people were going to come in. And we knew that they were going to have problems and worries and concerns from life. They will have failures and shortcomings and they would miss the mark. And they would need to hear about a God who was close to them and loved them, even though they'd failed. And the reason that we had that whole section is because we fail a lot. We're humans. We make mistakes. And because of those mistakes, we feel pain and loneliness And we suffer from mental illness and we need to know that God's there in that space. And when we are in that space, man, I'll tell you what, there's a loud cry from the church. Run to God because he can heal you. We are so good in that space. But I think we have some work to do in regards to running to God amidst victory and happiness. You see, when I was in that bookstore, I never once saw a book called How Do I Pray When My Health Is Great? I never saw a book called, Why Did God Give Me a Raise? I've never listened to a podcast that was entitled, Trusting God Amidst My Happiness. You see, we have a history of forgetting God in the victory. 
You look at the story of like the, sorry, the whole book of Judges and it's this constant wheel, this frustrating wheel of the people of Israel needing someone, needing help. God sends a judge and they bring victory. And then sure enough, they forget God and go back to their old ways. And it's just this frustrating cycle. Or you look at the Israelites, how many times did God deliver them and bring them victory and they kept forgetting God and doing what they used to do? You know, there's this amazing scripture in Deuteronomy where Moses is talking about uh, the, the promised land and it says this in Deuteronomy 8, 7 to, 7 to 14. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. In verse 11, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. And I wonder how many of us are forgetting God in the promised land of our lives. Our job is fantastic and we are financially secure. Are you praying as much as you were when you weren't secure? Your mental health is actually in a really good spot. Are you still chasing God with everything inside of you like you were when your mental health was struggling? Is your marriage fantastic? Is your relationship with your kids and with others wonderful? Is, the, is your health great? In those spaces, are we pursuing God? Are we seeking God? Are we digging into his word and falling in love with him over and over and over again the same way that we do when we don't feel victorious? Because I wonder when we're in that space and we don't spend time with God and we forget God in that space, if that's a precursor to failure. I'll ask that question again. I wonder how many of us are forgetting God in the promised land of our lives. It's a challenging thought. And I think the second thing we can learn from this piece, from this story of Joshua, is the victory was never ours. The victory was never ours. You know, I love Proverbs 21:31. It says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. You see, after our failure at family camp number two, when the third one came around, we were not going to make that same mistake. We communicated with God regularly. We went to him for the plan. God, what do you want for this camp? What do you want for our leadership team? What do you want for the families coming on camp? What do you want for your name and for your kingdom? You know, we we did up banners and we had banners all around the campsite, particularly in our leadership room where we went to rest. Uh, Proverbs 21, 31, prepare your horse for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. I remember one day 
um, at camp, we were sitting at a dinner table <coughs> and we're having dinner and I was sitting on a table with a family and there was a girl eating um, dessert, which was pancakes and ice cream that night. And I remember she puts down her knife and fork halfway through her pancakes, which I've never seen any child do. And she turns to her dad and says, Dad, I wish we could do this at home more often. And he turns to her and he says, well, we can have pancakes. We can get pancake mix. We can get ice cream and nuts and chocolate sprinkles and whatever you like. That's fine. She goes, Dad, I'm not talking about the pancakes. I wish that we could sit together as a family and have dinner. (laughs) I was blown away. This little girl, probably not even eight years old, turns to her dad and recognizes that she'd been missing that family time. And it would be easy for us as a leadership team to walk away and go, wow, look at us. We provided a space where that revelation could happen. Look at us. We provided a meal that she could have that that connection with her father. Man, we did good. Go us. But that's not what happened. We went up to our leadership room after dinner. We shared the stories and we thanked God for the victory. Because yes, we prepared the horse for the day of battle. We made sure camp was logistically ready. We talked to the campsite staff. We made sure the bookings were all done. We made sure that all the finances were all sorted out. We prepared the horse for the day of battle. But the victory in that space belonged to the Lord. In your victory, in the things that you're going through in life right now, if you're looking at your life going, you know what, I'm doing pretty well. Things are pretty good for me. I would encourage you, run to the Lord. And thank him for the victory, because it's his. It's always been his. And if you're not doing well, if you find yourself in that failure, that that brokenness, that pain, (laughs) the advice is the same, and the call is the same. Run to God, and soak in his presence. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for everybody watching this stream today. I want to thank you that you're a God who brings victory that you want the best for your people and your kingdom. For anyone who's struggling today, God, I ask that you would be close to them. The Psalms tell us that you are close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in, in spirit. And God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them in new and exciting and fresh ways, that, that you would deliver the plan, that you would encourage them to follow the plan. And God, for those in, in victory, in happiness, who are winning right now, God, I just ask that you would continue to to shine your light on them, God, that they would have a fresh revelation that the victory they're experiencing is yours. Everything good comes from you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for the victory. In your name I pray. Amen. This week, walk in victory and give the glory to God.